Let's open our Bibles this evening to uh, Psalm 126 and verse 1. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue was singing. Then said they among the heathen, The Lord hath done great things for them. The Lord hath done great things for us, whereof we are glad. Turn again our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seeds, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. May we pray. Our Father, as I bow before you this evening, I thank you for another privilege to preach. Thank you for the Word of God. Help me, Lord, to rightly divide your Word tonight and to represent you in, in the right way, Lord. And I pray that you would uh, give me wisdom and, and power. And may I be a vessel that you can fill and use to meet the need of your people. May we be challenged and helped tonight. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want us to think about how to build a church. You know, there's all kinds of ideas in, uh, in this day and age about how to build a house, how to build a church. Uh, the important thing, of course, is the foundation. We know that if you're building a house, if you're building a building, you've got to start on the right foundation. And uh, that's true uh, in spiritual matters as well. Matthew 16, 18 said, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So uh, he says, I will build my church. Uh, who builds the church? God does, and it belongs to him. The Bible says in Acts 2.47, And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. And then here in Psalm 127, verse 1, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. So God is the one that builds churches, and we need to realize that. But our part, God uses people. And you say, what, what part am I to play in this uh, ministry of the Lord? Well, first of all, it involves work. You know, we talk about the work of the Lord. <laughs> That's what it is. You know, it's hard work. Uh, it is work. In Nehemiah 4, 6, the returning remnant there said, So built we the wall, and all the wall was joined together unto the half thereof, for the people had a mind to work. Well, you want to see a church grow, you want to see a church build, then, uh, you know, the people had a mind to work. Uh, I think everybody has to be willing to pitch in do their part of the work. You know, uh, what could happen in this church if everybody won somebody to Jesus? Then the following year, all those people won somebody to Jesus. Well, you can see how it would multiply very quickly. I think that's what the Lord had in mind for us to do when he gave us the Great Commission, is that, that everybody is to be a witness. You say, I'm not called to preach. I don't have anything to do with being called to preach. Everybody, you know, with the Apostle Paul, when he got saved, 
when he was brought before kings or rulers or whatever, he said, I want to tell you what happened to me on the Damascus Road. And if you've been saved, you can tell what the Lord's done for you. And uh, everybody needs to hear. You'll be amazed. You try talking to, if you'll start talking to people, you'll be amazed how ignorant people are when it comes to spiritual things. I think it was Curtis Hudson said he used to be, he used to be kind of backward about talking to doctors and people, uh, you know, that were highly educated until he understood that they knew as little about the things of the Lord as he did about medicine. So don't, don't think because a person is educated that they necessarily understand the things of the Lord. In fact, it's amazing uh, how, how people get off in false doctrine and people that, are, that are, are highly educated sometimes can get off in false doctrine. The people had a mind to work. Nehemiah 6 says, verse 15 and 16, So the wall was finished in the twenty and fifth day of the month Elul in fifty and two days. And it came to pass that when all their enemies heard thereof, and all the heathen that were round about us saw these things, they were much cast down in their own eyes, for they perceived that this work was wrought of their God. You know, that's what, that's what we need to do, is that people can see that, that this is something God's doing, that this is the work of the Lord. So it takes work. Then it takes the Word of God. In 1 Corinthians 1.21, For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Now that's God's way. You know, I'm amazed when I hear about what some churches are involved in. Everything you can imagine that has nothing to do with the work of God, that has nothing to do with spiritual things, uh, they, any, anything to get a crowd. Uh, you know, back years ago, uh, when I first started preaching, first started pastoring, the bus ministry was very popular. And it seemed like everybody had buses. Nothing wrong with the bus ministry. Nothing wrong with having buses. Uh, but some were doing some strange things. Uh, you know, swallowing goldfish and, and, and all kind of strange things in order to attract a crowd. Well, uh, the, the Bible says that he chosen by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. And uh, we'll look at a couple, a few verses there in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 24. That's page 1004, verse 24. <coughs> Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them. So here is here's the condition. They hear the word of God and they, they respond to the word of God. They do them. I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. Every one that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. The rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Now, what was, what was the determining factor? The determining factor was the foundation. Uh, every, 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 every house that's built upon the sand, uh, when the storm comes, the house is going to fall. And so uh, we need to build on the Word of God. Uh, you know, I find people, people that are founded in the Word of God are people that are, that are, that are sound in the faith, and they're not easily 
led astray by false doctrine. Uh, you know, if, if you know the truth, it's kind of like a fellow used to uh, work for the Treasury Department and, and, and the, and the uh, money part, and, and they asked him, how do, you, how do you recognize counterfeit money? He said, it's easy. He said, we're, we're not trained to recognize counterfeit money. We're trained to recognize real money. We know what the real money looks like. Everything else is counterfeit. If it don't look like the real thing. And that's, that's a, a good thing as far as, as far as proper doctrine. You know, if it, don't, if it don't measure up to the Word of God, if it don't fit the Word of God, then it's counterfeit. Everything don't fit this book, counterfeit. Get rid of it. Ditch it. And, you know, if you're grounded in the Word of God, you turn the TV on, some fellow comes on there preaching false doctrine, then you know right off, you say, wait a minute, that's not what the Bible says. Or the radio, Brother Thomason was talking about in Sunday school this morning, about some fellow, I, I never heard of the fellow, but, uh, but he's way off as far as, as far as false doctrine. And he's got some very, very strange beliefs, to say the least. Well, how does people get caught up in that? It's because they don't know what the Bible says, you know. They don't know what the truth is. They don't know what the real thing is. And therefore, they get caught up in that that's counterfeit. We need to build a church. We need to build it on work. And then the Word of God, the Word of God, uh, that's, that's what will, will stand the test of time. And then there needs to be witnessing in the power of the Holy Spirit. No substitute for this in Acts 1.8, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the earth. Now, there you have the basis for missions. Some say you're supposed to win everybody to Christ in your own community before you go out anywhere else. Well, listen, we'd never do it. We'd never go out if we, if we waited for that. If you waited, do you want everybody here to Christ? then no one else would ever be saved around the world. What did the Lord say? Uh, you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, that are part of the earth. That, what, that, the early church, that's what happened. Uh, you know, they were having good success, and, and they stayed around Jerusalem. The Lord had to bring persecution to get them out. The Bible said they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. And so uh, we ought to do it at the same time. Want to try to win people to Christ here? Want to, want to try to win people to Christ in other parts of North Carolina? Want to try to win people to Christ in other parts of the United States? Want to try to win people to Christ in other parts of the world? And uh, how do we do that? We do, we do that. We can't be everywhere at the same time. But we, we send someone to represent us. We help others that are going. We help, we help this missionary and that missionary and try to Try to help them and sponsor them in winning people to Christ. Witnessing in the power of the Holy Spirit. In Acts 5, 42, and daily in the temple and in every house they cease not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. How do you do it? You do it every day. And uh, where do you go? Every house. You know, I, I used to go to town sometime when they'd have a parade or something. And I look around and I thought, well, man, I think I've visited all over this county. I look around, I don't recognize these people. Where in the world, where does these people come from? Where do they live? So there's people everywhere stuck off in the hollers and, and the streets. And, and uh, so 
Uh, we, need to, we need to reach them for, for Christ. If they don't get saved, they're going to hell. And you may be the only thing standing between them and eternity. Have you ever thought about it? You may be the only witness that they'll ever have. You think, well, someone will, someone will tell them, someone will reach them for Christ, but no one else may not do it. If you don't tell them about Jesus, they may never know about Jesus Christ. Uh, and there's a lot of competition for people's mind these days. You say, well, these churches all over the county, churches everywhere, new churches rising up, plenty of opportunity. Uh, but you know, people go wrong by nature. People don't naturally go to church. Uh, they, naturally, they naturally go to the honky-tonks, and they naturally uh, go the way of the world. They don't naturally go to church. That's, the old sin nature don't direct us in that way. It directs us away from God. And you know, Jesus Christ set the example for us. He went after the sinners. He said, I must needs go through Samaria. And uh, you know, we have a visitation night here. Uh, you know, you could be a part of that. You say it's impossible, I work or whatever. Uh, but if you can't, you ought, to, you, ought to make it, you ought to make it a practice that every day I'm going to try to win someone to Christ. I'm going to witness to somebody if I have opportunity. Who was it, Moody or one of those great preachers? Uh, went to bed one night and he, he thought, he said, I, I hadn't talked to anyone today about Jesus. And so he got up and got dressed and went out on the street and the and, uh, first person he met... Uh, uh, said, uh, said, do you know grace? <laughs> and they said, grace who? <laughs> and he talked to them about the grace of God and was able to win them to Christ. Soul conscious. Everybody needs the Lord if they're not saved. Everybody needs the Savior. And if they don't get Jesus in the heart, they're going to burn forever. How does one comprehend that? Uh, you know, hell is awful, isn't it? And we ought, to, we ought to really care. We ought to get a burden and a vision of the awfulness of hell. And if, we don't, if, we don't, if our loved ones don't get saved, they're going to hell, folks. And somebody needs to care and try to win them to Jesus Christ. I pray that God will give us a burden, a renewed vision, a renewed burden this, this year to try to win some people to Christ. Try to win some people to Jesus. That's our job. That's our main business. Everything else is secondary. We're going to leave here for long. And we need to be doing what we can to win the loss to Jesus Christ. Witness and ask God to empower you. You know, there's, uh, there's a difference in witnessing and witnessing in the power of the Holy Spirit. And let me tell you, I've, I've, I've experienced both. <laughs> I know what it is to go out and knock on doors and do it in my own strength. I know what it is to go with the touch of God on you. And there's all the difference in the world when God's power is upon you. And so we need to pray for that power and ask God to enable us to be bold in our witness and have the power of the Holy Spirit of God. I think if there's one thing that we're missing today, it's the manifestation of the power of God. And I pray for that. Uh, you know, the Lord's promised to be with us. He said, I'll never leave you, never forsake you. And sometimes I think we erroneously pray for God's presence and pray for God's presence in the service. I know uh, that he understands the, the desire of our heart. Maybe our terminology is not right. But the Lord is always with us.
But sometimes we don't, the, the evidence of his presence, the manifestation of his presence and his power is not there. Uh, he's there. He'll never leave you. I've heard preachers say, if you go into a beer joint, the Lord won't go with you. Oh, but he will. He said, I'll never leave you. You go into a beer joint, he'll be grieved. Uh, you know, he'll be, he'll be uh, uh, bothered, but, uh, but he goes with us everywhere we go. And so we need, to, we need the power of God. Then there needs to be waiting in faith. Isaiah 40, 31 but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. You know, waiting isn't easy, is it? Uh, if you ever waited around the hospital, uh, waiting, waiting for the news of your loved one, <laughs> maybe someone's going through surgery or whatever, uh, you know, the pressure, I've, I've been there many, many, many times. Uh, and uh, uh, the waiting is, is not easy. But one thing you have to understand as far as God's concerned, God is not in any hurry. And the Lord has eternity. Uh, he can do things very quickly if necessary. But the Bible says, They that wait upon the Lord. And I think the Lord intentionally makes us wait to test our faith to see if we really believe Him. You know, you pray about something, Nothing happens. And you pray again and nothing happens. You say, well, must not have been God's will. May have been the test of your faith, too. May not have been God's will. But it might be a test of our faith. Am I going to believe Him tomorrow? Am I going to believe Him next week? Am I going to believe Him next month? The trial of our faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found in the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. I want to turn to the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews, chapter 11. And God showed me something here that, that I really hadn't seen before. It isn't amazing. The Bible, Bible's an amazing book. And uh, it, it is amazing the fact that you can read another book and you don't, you don't really care to read it again for a while anyway. But you can read the Bible, and you see something. You can read it again, you see something else. And every time you read it, you see something, a little, little uh, some more truth that was been there all the time, but you just didn't see it. Well, Hebrews 11 is the roll call of faith, as someone has called it. And he gives these great uh, heroes of the faith. Uh, and... Uh, he mentioned some of their accomplishments, what they accomplished through faith. And uh, we, have, we have characters, for instance, like Samson. And uh, yet Samson had, had great failure in his life, but he had great accomplishment through faith. Same with David and some of the others. But let's pick up in verse uh, 33. The Bible said, Who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Now here we, we rejoice in the great accomplishments of faith. 
we, we're familiar with stopping the mouths of lions. Uh, we know that that happened to Daniel there. Daniel was thrown of the den of lions. Uh, you know, the, and I read that and I, I'm amazed at the accuracy of the Bible. And sometimes the inaccuracy of preachers. We call it a lion's den. But the Bible don't call it a lion's den. I wouldn't care if I was thrown into a lion's den if the lions wasn't home. But the Bible said it was the den of lions. They were home. <laughs> they were in there. And we rejoice of a quench of violence of fire. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We know that great wonderful story. And, uh, and all these great uh, blessings and, and these great victories through faith. They believed God and God came through for them. But look at it now in verse 35. Women received their dead raised to life again. And others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings. Yea, moreover, bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sown asunder, were tempted, were slain with a sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. Well, it don't look like they had many victories, does it? Uh, I, I read that and I, I can imagine those that were sown asunder. They tell us that they put them in hollow logs and sawed them in two. They sold them up in goat skins and sheep skins with, with, with snakes and serpents. Where was God? God brought Daniel through, uh, through the den of lions. God brought Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego through the fire. Do you remember their statement? They said, The God that we serve is able to deliver us from thine hand. And he will deliver us from, he's able to deliver us from the fire furnace. He will deliver us from thine hand. But they said, if he don't do it, we're not going to worship your gods. God didn't always give deliverance, did he? God didn't always perform a miracle. Some of them died, it says here. Some of them were tortured, not accepting deliverance. They might have obtained a better resurrection. Have you ever read Fox's Book of Martyrs? They turn, put them in the arenas there and turn the, uh, turn the lines loose on them. They tied them up to the stakes and put, the, put the, the wood around them and set them on fire. Did all these horrible things. Where was God? Now notice what he says. Of whom the world, verse 38, was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And these all, A-L-L, having a, obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. Now the thing that I saw that I really hadn't seen before is that their faith was just as strong as the other faith that had deliverance. But they didn't get delivered. But they were, they were people of faith. They believed God they died believing God. They did not accept deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. They were looking forward to a better world. It says they received not the promise. And uh, God having provided some better for, thing for us that they without us should not be made perfect. Well, we don't always see the results, do we? 
Back when I first started pastoring, if you didn't have a big church, and fortunately we were able to have a big church at that time, but uh, you wasn't you wasn't doing the will of God. You wasn't doing nothing. You couldn't be couldn't be doing what you ought to be doing. Well, listen, the Lord builds the church. Our business is to be obedient. Our business is to be witnessing, to be preaching, to be knocking on doors, to try and do what God's called us to do, and the rest is God's business. Not my business. The rest belongs to the Lord. That waiting. Well, verse 1 of chapter 12, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. And he's talking about, I believe, those in chapter 11. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. And is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. The Bible teaches that we need to be motivated by their example, by their faith. Looking into Jesus, keep our eyes on the world to come. And as Jesus looked forward to what was going to come one day. Uh, you know, the majority of the world is going to hell. In spite of all the preaching, in spite of all the churches, in spite of all the effort that's being put forth to win people to Christ, the majority are still lost. And Jesus said they would be. Has Jesus failed? I don't believe so. Because all the world hadn't turned to Christ? Is he a failure? No, he's not a failure. We can't blame the Lord, can we? Uh, but uh, the matter of waiting in faith. And then let's go back to our text we read, the final, the final matter. You know, I, people, people ask me, I know when I was in Maiden at Providence Road Baptist Church, the church grew from about 25 to about 500. And, uh, you know, people, people used to say, what do you do? Done the same thing I do here. Preach the gospel, go out and witness, knock on doors, try to win people to Christ. And uh, the same thing I've been trying to do and trying to motivate others to do, of course, we'd usually have uh, we'd use a have when the church grew, we'd use a have 40 or 50 out on visitation. We'd have 40 or 50 visitors a Sunday. And we'd usually have several saved. So uh, that makes a difference. You know, if you've got 40 or 50 or two, you can get a lot more done if you have a lot of people out there knocking on doors and trying to win people to Christ. Well, and uh, the last point is weeping in love. Here in Psalm 126, verse 5 and 6, They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Uh, you know, someone wrote the song, Bringing in the Sheaves. I don't know if Fanny Crosby wrote that or not. Bill may know. But uh, somebody wrote it. <laughs> uh, you know, someone said they used to think that meant bringing in the cheese. Well... Bringing in the sheaves. He's talking about uh, soul winning there. Uh, he that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed. You know, people know if you really care. People know if you care. 
uh, or if you're just doing it to be doing it. If you really care for them. And a lot of times tears express that. Well, you know, 1 Corinthians 12 talks about love there. 1 Corinthians 12 talks about the gifts of the Spirit and uh, those uh, specific gifts that, that were, uh, you know, that were for the early church. Some of the gifts that were, that were used in those early days are not needed in the church today, uh, but they certainly were present. Uh, we know that chapter 14 talks about the gift of tongues that was greatly misused, and, uh, and even today is... Uh, I don't believe that it's needed in the church today. But in verse 31 of chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, But covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet I show unto you a more excellent way. And the more excellent way is described in chapter 13. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and have not charity, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Though I have the gift of prophecy, and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I can remove mountains, and have not charity, I am nothing. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Well, what's he saying? He says you can, have, you can do it all. But if you don't have the love of God, if you don't love God, you don't love people, then it's, it's all in vain. It's all worthless. And he defines charity or love for us. And, oh, thinketh no evil. Rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth. Where there be prophecies, they shall fail. Where there be tongues, they shall cease. Where there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. And he's talking about the Word of God there when he's talking about that which is perfect. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. Now, some of you grown men in here tonight came in, and I looked back there, and you had a pacifier in your mouth. I'd think there was something strange. <laughs> he said that when I became a man, I put away childish things. Now, we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now, I know in part, but then shall I know even as I also as also I am known. Now by the faith, hope, charity, these three. But the greatest of these is charity. Well, you know, again, everything is based on love. Do you love God tonight? Uh, I mean, I can, I can stand up here and every Sunday I can hammer a witness. You need to witness for Christ. You need to win people to Christ. You need to tell others about Jesus. But you're never going to do it. Do you get the love of God in your heart? Do you love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you love others as yourself, and you love souls, and you love sinners? And if you love, if you love Jesus and love the souls of men, you'll want to do it. It needs to be done in love. In fact, if we do it without love, it really don't do any good, does it? Don't accomplish anything. Uh, don't, don't really do the job. We need to do it in love. And people need to know that we care for them. And I pray that God will give me that. You know, that I won't do it just out of responsibility. Uh, but uh, I was talking to a preacher this week, and he was telling about, uh, uh, you know, having overcome, overcoming a shyness of talking to people. And he had prayed and asked God to help him with that and help him to be bold in his witness. 
and, and to get over that, that shyness about it. Well, that's good. We need to do that. We need to, we need to ask God to help us. Uh, be bold for Jesus Christ. Be a bold witness uh, for the Lord. Uh, so, uh, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain to build it. So let's do it God's way. Try. Let me challenge you tonight. Try to win somebody, at least one person to Christ this year. To get one person saved and get them in church, get them baptized and serve in the Lord. You know, that's our responsibility doesn't end when we win them to Christ. Uh, is the Great Commission is to go you therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. The Lord said, I want you to go win someone to Christ. I want you to uh, help them follow through in, in, in being baptized and then to teach them and train them to do what you've been doing. And, uh, you know, if we'd done that, uh, we'd see some things happen that would honor God and please the Lord. Will you take that challenge? Uh, you know, it can be discouraging. It can be discouraging. I think I... I made that challenge sometime last year. And someone told me that they, they went out and they, uh, you know, they, they, they talked to several people and couldn't get nobody saved, couldn't get nobody to come to church with them. And I think become discouraged because of it. Well, that can happen. You know, if you, if you accept that challenge, you can be sure the devil's going to fight you tooth and nail because he don't want nobody saved. You know, his main job is to keep you from getting saved, but then if he gets you, if you get saved, then his main job then is keep you from getting anyone else saved. That's his main business. So if you accept the challenge, it ain't going to be easy. You know, he's going to put obstacles in the way. Uh, he's going to cause you to get discouraged. First person you'll talk to will, you know, give you a hard time. Uh, Kind of like I remember when I, when I went to school, one of my teachers, he said, uh, he said the first time he ever went soul winning, him and another fellow went, said they knocked on this door and said a fellow come to the door. He said, you wouldn't want to get saved, would you? Now, don't, that's not the question to ask. And he said, uh, amazing to him, the fellow said, yes, I would. <laughs> and and he, he was able to lead him to the Lord. But don't ask that question. You wouldn't want to get saved. Don't start off with a negative. Uh, I mean, uh, that's, not, that's not a good question. But in spite of it, his heart was right. I think the reason God did it to encourage him and his heart was right and maybe didn't get his terminology just, just right, didn't have it all right down right like it ought to be, but he was able to win the person to Christ. But a lot of times it don't happen that way. Sometimes they may slam the door in your face and say, get, get away from me. I'm not interested in your religious stuff. And I've, I've had all kind of experience. I remember a fellow years ago when I was down in Maiden there. You know, he got excited, got saved, and got excited about winning someone to Christ. And, and he went out and, and was talking to this fellow. And, and uh, he picked him up with the seat of the pants and pitched him out in the yard. Uh, the fellow, I think, was drinking. Uh, but, uh, you know, I've never had that experience. <laughs> Uh, no one's ever done that to me. But I, I've had some strange things, some strange experiences. We was witnessing one night talking to this fellow. And uh, 
uh, he was laying on the bed, kind of had a bed in the living room. He lived alone there and had a, had a stove in the, in the room there and a, had his bed in there. And, and uh, uh, we was talking, and he reached on the pillow and pulled out a pistol and said, I'm not afraid of anybody, and stuck it back under the pillow. Uh, I guess he wanted us to know if we was up to no good, he was ready. <laughs> so uh, I, don't, I don't think we want him to Christ. I don't believe so. But I remember that experience. So, uh, but anyway, uh, you know, if, you, if, I, if, I hadn't, if I hadn't went out, I'd never had that experience. I'd never had that illustration to tell you about. So you have all kind of experiences. But God's been with me. And the Lord's been good to me. And uh, I thank him for that. Uh, just, just try. Just, just try winning someone to Jesus. You say, this year, I'm going to really work at it. I'm going to work at trying to get somebody saved and somebody in church, get them baptized, and follow in the Lord. I don't know what you may accomplish in life, but you'll never accomplish anything that'll be greater than that. He that winneth souls is wise. How important is a soul? What shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? If you, if you take that challenge and win one person to Christ this year, you will have accomplished more than if you had inherited the world you would have accomplished more. You think of uh, George Bush being the president. That's quite an accomplishment. But if you win someone to Jesus this year, you will accomplish more than he's accomplished by being president of the United States in the sight of God. There's nothing greater in all the world. Let's bow our heads.